You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown, Las Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Good evening, Raider Nation. Welcome to Silver and Black Today, a special edition after the Raiders go to their initial 53-man roster on Tuesday. And we're here to talk about it with you live either on Tuesday night if you're listening to us or watching us now. Or if you're listening to us on Wednesday morning, good morning to you. Hope you're listening on your way into work or wherever you may be going. And so we wanted to get on and be able to talk to you. And thanks for everybody in chat. We are live on YouTube Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as uh, on the Odyssey Podcast Network. Of course, as you know, we are an Odyssey original podcast, Silver and Black, today. Scott Branson, Mo Moten with you as well. Give us a follow uh, wherever you get your podcasts and also here on your favorite digital channel. Hit subscription. Hit notifications if you're on YouTube. Hit that bell so you're always reminded when we go live. Mo, okay, here we go, man. So much to talk about tonight. The Raiders very active today, not only because they had to be in trimming their roster. They were one of two teams that waited until the last minute to tell us. Them and the Patriots, not a surprise, were the last ones uh, to be on there. And so uh, we look at this and we look at what's going on. With this Raiders roster, some surprises today, a trade, uh, and this guy was sent packing. I have a picture right here, so I'm going to toss that aside. No offense to Trayvon Mullen. Trayvon Mullen gets moved for a seventh-round conditional draft pick. Alex Leatherwood. Dave Ziegler says, Alex Leatherwood, you are deadwood to us. They release the first-round draft pick from a year ago. Of course, that was uh, John Gruden and Mike Mayock's first-round draft pick, but he is now gone uh, Mo, what to you, initial reaction, biggest surprise, and also what else to you stuck out when you first saw not only the two big transactions, but then as the entire list was released? Yeah, the surprise for me was obviously Trayvon Mullen being traded. I'm sure a lot of people didn't see that coming because they felt like the Raiders' cornerback room was kind of questionable anyway because you bring in Rocky Asin and Anthony Averett. We're still early in their developmental stages, so trading Trayvon Mullen was a bit of a surprise. 
but there's a reason behind it. We'll get into that later. The other surprise was the fact that they actually kept five running backs. I know a lot of people in the live chat and a lot of people listening to the show have heard me say Britton Brown is not going to make the roster. Well, I was wrong there. He makes the roster, at least in, at least initially. Uh, the Raiders are carrying five running backs. If Britton Brown is on the roster, he'll probably have some inactives. He'll, similar to J.J. Taylor of the Patriots last year. I don't expect him to dress five running backs every week, but I think it's a good story that he was able to make the roster because he had a strong preseason. So I felt like the uh, running back room was too crowded for him. Apparently not. I think maybe they felt like he wouldn't clear waivers and get back on their practice squad. So they wanted to keep him on the roster and keep him away from other teams. Yeah. And so let's let's we're going to get into the specifics on individual players here in a minute, like you mentioned, Mo. But let's just run through. I think most Raider fans that are watching us probably know of all the transactions. But if you look at the players wave, the ones that stick out to me, I'll mention because these are guys we talked about on the show. Alex Bars, the guard, offensive guard. I thought he played well during the preseason. A little surprised by that, especially with the Leatherwood move, because there was no real rush to him. But clearly they kept the extra running back as well. So that makes a lot of sense. Chase Garbers still, I think it might be a practice squad guy. We'll see what happens there. Of course, Leatherwood um, past that. No one really surprised me. Keenan Keelan Cole. We talked about, he was a guy that we felt was either going to be moved or let go. Sure enough. He was let go. Darius Phillips, another guy that we mentioned uh, that has had was, was released as well as Kyle Pecco, which I know is a guy that Raider fans were somewhat excited about, uh, at least to the standpoint of uh, they thought he played well. But we get to, let's start with the the elephant formerly in the room. Uh, and that, of course, was Alex Leatherwood. So we talked about this for the last week, right, that there could be a chance. You talked in your column, too, three things that could happen. They move him to guard, they trade him, or they release him. We now know from what we've seen from other people who cover the league, NFL insiders said that no one had interest in Alex Leatherwood, nor did the Raiders. So in a stunning move, they release him, which is many fans wanted them to just release him. They didn't feel like they could get trade value for him, and sure, certainly they did not. You look now, this kind of completes, uh, with, the, with the trade of Mullen as well, this kind of completes the Mayock slash Gruden, and let's face it, it's really Gruden. I'm not going to blame much on Mayock because it was all Gruden to me. Um, but you look at this now, it closes the loop on what was a disastrous tenure when it came to high draft picks. I saw some fans out there really defending, oh, well, but they got Renfro and they got Max Crosby. Yes, true, but you cannot miss that much on first and second round picks, including the three you still have on the team that were all declined their fifth-year option. So how stunning, and I know we're going to talk about moving forward, but this Alex Leatherwood move, and then tying that in with what's happened over the last couple uh, years, Mo, there's no question this is why, for many other reasons too, the Raiders have struggled to become as good as they could be had the roster been managed better. I think to myself, when they when they brought up the Raiders draft record under Mayock and Gruden, what would this Raiders team be or where would they be right now if Gruden and Mayock had at least hit on two of those picks? And by I say hitting on those picks, I mean if two of those picks had turned into pro ball, all pro players, where would the Raiders be right now? They'd probably exactly. be a team that you would expect to get to the Super Bowl. But because of those early misses, and as you mentioned, yes, we know that they – Got Crosby in the fourth round, got Hunter Renfro in the fifth, got Darren Waller off the practice squad, off the Ravens practice squad. So there there were some good pickups there. But 
when you have that many picks in the first round, you got to cash in on that. And I think a lot of people, regardless of their opinion on Gruden, would agree that when it comes to talent evaluation, when it comes to value and draft picks, not very good at that. Decent head coach, decent offensive play caller, but when it comes to being the GM of your football team, not the guy you want steering the ship. But to your point, I, with Leatherwood, and I know Ian Rapport tweeted that 32 teams basically didn't want him. I'm sure that was a typo. He meant 31. But if you think about it, the Raiders <laughs> didn't want him either. So kind of right. was 32 teams didn't want him. But I will add some context. To that. I think 30, I think the teams that they pitched him to, all 31 of them, didn't want him at that price. Because remember, he he's a high-paid first-round pick. I'm pretty sure he's going to wind up on a team and get a second chance to uh, you know reinvent himself. Now, I think he should reinvent himself or a team should use him at guard. The Raiders felt like they, they weren't going to go that route. Because as I as we've said on this show, they haven't given him significant snaps at guard. So for mm-hmm. for Josh McDaniels and his staff, Leather was was either going to play right tackle, or he wasn't going to be on the field at all. And they and it showed today on on a Tuesday. Tried to trade him, got nothing. Let him go, moved on. But one really quick point: they have eight offensive linemen right now as we're recording this. I think they're going to add another offensive lineman, so someone could get kicked off the roster pretty soon. Right. So that's why that's why I see some of the guys like Britton Brown as a good example. And I know I know fans really wanted him to make the team. He played really well. No question. But I just think, again, don't get too attached to the roster as it sits on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, because there will be moves. This is this is common. I think it's a misnomer that, okay, so now you have 53 man. This is where you're going with uh, into week one. It's not true. They have until Friday of week one to finalize the roster and to to um, file the active players for the game and so on, and they can make transactions at any time. And remember, even during the course of the year, just to remind everybody, most NFL teams can bring in five to ten guys a week through each week uh, looking for that guy they might have missed or someone who got let go somewhere else. So so I, I think the way we saw Dave Ziegler operate today um, on Tuesday, he is not done. And there's going to be more tinkering here uh, as it re- as as they get closer to game time because they do need to address it. There was no moves on the offense or offensive line, but there was also no moves today thus far on the defensive line either. And I don't think they're done either there. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, a lot of people went back and forth with me on Twitter about Billings or Vickers. I didn't have Billings on my 53 man. I had Vickers on. Turns out they both made it. So <laughs> if the Raiders <laughs> add another defensive lineman, one of those two guys could be the odd man out. Uh, but as you just said, j- just because whatever the roster looks like right now in the next 24 hours, it's going to change. On the last show, I said the Raiders are going to make at least two trades. They made one with Trayvon Mullen, which, which surprised a lot of people. I think they'll make one more trade. Maybe it's not a, a large-scale trade, but I think they're going to do some more wheeling and dealing because, as you just mentioned, Dave Ziggler has shown that he's willing to make a deal. We've seen that since the minute he got in, trading for Devontae Adams. So if there's an upgrade out there, he's going to he's going to want to jump on that offer. Yeah, and, and to me, again, there, there's so much to, to kind of unwrap here and to get into, and, and I think that that offensive line, they clearly, I mean, with Bars being cut, who I thought was a serviceable player, I, I by no means thought that the guy was the answer anywhere. I thought he was a good rotational player and how he played in the preseason, 
but clearly they're not happy there. You can see letting two offensive linemen go, and I know McDaniels talked about depth, but that was really depth and numbers at the time. Now those numbers are down, and they're heavier in other areas. Let's switch real quick to Trayvon Mullen, Mo. And with Trayvon Mullen, here's a guy I think I think people were surprised about him. I was surprised by him, um, and and I think that it, this comes down to a little bit of system. And also, one thing that you and I have kind of been beating the drum, as have others who cover the Raiders, uh, especially the beat writers, Vic Tafer, Vinny Bonsignor, all have said in the previous weeks that, listen, this front office, this coaching staff is not married to anyone because of money, what they have to pay them, even if they let them go, uh, or tenure, because it's a new sheriff in town and you're not hooked to those guys. You did not draft them. And if you don't feel that they're the best guy for you at that position, then they'll move on. And so Trayvon Mullen goes to Arizona for a seventh-round conditional pick. Some people I was conversing with online were like, man, he was better than that. Why didn't he get a seventh round? And I said, listen, he had promise, but promise doesn't pay the bills, okay? He had injury issues. He showed promise at times. But this is not a guy, Mo, that you were going to get a third or even a fourth-round pick based on the injury and his performance. Yeah, he's basically a number two cornerback. And to to just answer those people who say, well, we should have got more than a conditional seventh that could become a six. As you said, the NFL, what have you done lately? If he was coming off of a fully healthy season, if he was coming off that 2020 season, may have gotten more from him. But he only played five games last year. He underwent surgery in May. He's in a contract year. So basically a team not only is getting a player coming off an off of an injury riddled season, but they're potentially getting a rental for one year because you don't know what he's going to want when he hits the market in 2023. So I think that also factors into it as why the Raiders weren't able to get more for him. But with Mullen, I think a lot of people are taking the wrong angle with him. A lot of people are looking at it as, oh, he, you know, he wasn't good enough. He wasn't that good. And this is what I don't like about these trades and moves is that once a player is gone, a lot of people say, well, he wasn't that good anyway. And I, I push back on that because, again, he led the Raiders in pass breakups his first two seasons. Mm-hmm. He got hurt last year. That doesn't mean he's injury prone. He was healthy for his first two years, didn't miss a game, got hurt last year. He's not all of a sudden injury prone. I think he, for, to be labeled injury prone it has to be a consistent pattern more than one year of being out. So he was, for the most part, reliable. And I think, again, he's a number two cornerback that could be a solid starter. If the Cardinals want to keep him or not, we'll find out. But I think this is more about what the Raiders think about Nate Hobbs. And I said this on Twitter. I think Mm -hmm. now you're going to see Nate Hobbs inside and outside, kind of like a Kenny Moore type of situation with the Colts. He's in the Mm -hmm. slot when you have a nickel formation with five defensive backs, and he's in the base on the outside. Uh, He's on the outside in base formation. So basically he's going to be playing 90% of the snaps now. And I think they see Nate Hobbs as a start. I think that's what this move says. More about Hobbs, less about Mullen. And of course, Rocky Sin. And Anthony Averett over there as well. Those veterans, they clearly like, even though they didn't play a lot, um, they saw what they needed to. They know those guys. Those guys are coming off. Yasin obviously has a lot to prove. Okay, he's got the raw talent. Everybody knows that the kid's talented. And with Averett, you know, uh, based on what he did in Baltimore. So I think you know they they went with the veteran approach there, the more experienced veteran approach, and the kind of what have you done for me lately. Uh, but then there was the, the surprise for all of us so far. Again, it could change in the next few days. Amik Robertson makes this roster as of Tuesday. 
That was a big, big surprise. We both like that kid. We talk about it all the time here on Silver and Black today, but he didn't play well in the in the preseason. He played a lot, which was a bad sign, too. Uh, there was just some troubling signs there with him. It looked like he had lost his confidence. Uh, what do you make of that? Uh, and and he, might he be one of those guys who really is still on the bubble uh, should they go out and find a veteran? Yeah, I wouldn't get too comfortable if I were Meek Robinson, but it's a good sign he made the roster. I, I think Vic Tafer tweeted this during training camp, I believe early in training camp, or maybe during OTAs, that the Raiders like his versatility. They feel like he could play inside and outside. So with Nate Hobbs possibly moving from inside and outside, maybe Amik Robinson is the backup. A lot of people are going to say, well, I don't feel comfortable with him in that role. Well, apparently he did enough to make a back-end roster spot, and the Raiders feel like they can salvage his tenure there. And again, that versatility always helps. Anytime a football player can play multiple positions, and yes, the slot cornerback and boundary cornerback positions are two different positions. They have two different responsibilities. Anytime you have that versatility, it helps you make the roster, and I think it worked in Amik Robinson's favor. Yeah, and I'm going to go to some of the chat uh, over on YouTube that we're getting here as well. Question, Mo. Uh, this is one's for you. It says, Mo, you think the Raiders can restructure Leatherwood's contract on waivers? I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's zero chance of that happening. What about you? Yeah, I think zero chance of that happening. And people saying, well, he can get back on the practice squad. I, I, one, I don't think he's going to clear waivers. And two, no. Uh, the I know there's funky accounting going on in the NFL, but I don't think that's one of the things that you can do uh, to skirt the cap, the cap space and the salary cap. Yeah, and, and, and Mullen, I think, was just a surprise again, too, because um, likable guy. Right. And and really one of those guys who I think Raider fans look to as a promising defensive back on a unit. They were really counting on young guys to kind of step in. And everybody was watching Mullen because Hobbs played so well last year. So there's not really a big question about him. But everybody's like, OK, this is the big year for Mullen. He's got to do it now if he's going to make it. And he doesn't get the chance with with Graham's scheme, though, was 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 that part of the the thinking here in moving him? Do you think was he? Was he a little bit of an odd fit there based on what they brought in and how they improved the roster in the defensive back? I, I don't want to say he was an odd fit, but again, with Patrick Graham, you're going to play a lot of man coverage. And I think that's what that's a special, not a specialty, but I think Nate Hobbs can do that at a high level. So then why not just match him up against whoever you have on the, on the opposite side week to on a week to week basis. If you can line him up inside, if you line him up outside and he can perform well in both positions, then you don't. Then you can get rid of one of your boundary cornerbacks, and it just happened to be Trayvon Mullen, who's coming off of an injury. So, I think part of it, yes, is, is, is scheme. Because remember, Mullen was drafted under Paul Gunther, and there was some mix and match there. There was some zone there with, with Gus Bradley. So now you bring in a new defensive coordinator, new outlook. That's what speaks to my point to say I don't think this is a condemnation on Mullen. I, I just think this is what they see in Nate Hobbs being a special football player on the back end. Staying with the defensive backfield, uh, and again, you're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thank you guys for being with us. Uh, as we talk through the Raiders roster cuts as of Tuesday, Darius Phillips. I thought Darius Phillips did really well. He's also a special teamer. He plays well on special teams. Um, that was a little bit of a surprise to me, especially with Mullen being being on his way out and going down uh, down uh, I-11 to Arizona from <laughs> Vegas to Phoenix. Um, what about that? What about Darius Phillips? I mean, I, I guess we'll get the press conference and they'll maybe, if he comes up, they'll ask questions about it. But that was that was a minor surprise to me just because I thought he played well. 
Yeah, the only thing I could point about Darius Phillips is the missed tackles. There were a couple or a few times where he just didn't wrap up, and that may have rubbed Patrick Graham the wrong way. But I think this also speaks to how good Sam Webb played. And Sam Webb, Mm -hmm. if you remember in the last show, I said Sam Webb is my Malcolm Butler. He's going to be the undrafted free agent that pops up and surprises everybody and actually becomes a pretty decent football player. So I think him playing well with Amik Robinson's versatility made Darius Phillips expendable, though I was mildly surprised that he was left off the initial 53-man roster. We also get to another surprise, a guy that you really liked, I liked because of my allegiances to Arizona State, forks up, uh, was Darian Butler. Darian Butler has made this roster so far. Again, I'm just going to make the announcement that this will not be their final (laughs) roster. I'm uh, 99.9% convinced of that. But Darian Butler struggled with tackling, to your point of view as well, wrapping up and all that. But they see enough in him clearly that they're going to hold on to him for a little bit. Now, if they can upgrade at linebacker, uh, I, I took a quick scan of those players that released. There were some linebackers released. Nobody I thought really stuck out. Did you see anybody um, that would stick out that the Raiders might sign? Or you think Darian Butler might be just promising enough that they keep him on this roster and somehow get him into the rotation and and also into special teams. It's funny because, like I said before, there could be trades happening. So even if a guy that you don't like is on the scrap heap that you don't think is better than Darren Butler or Luke Masterson, the Raiders could actually trade for a linebacker as they did with Denzel Perriman last year. So I, if I were Luke Masterson and Darren Butler, I wouldn't get comfortable, but it was good to see both those players make the roster and i think it's partially because as i said in the last show too the raiders are thin at linebacker behind divine diablo jayon brown they're thin so they needed some depth there and, and it created an opportunity for the two undrafted rookies to make the roster but i think they both can hang around maybe they may not dress every week but one of those guys is going to be active and they'll probably take part on special teams Interesting. Uh, and, and again, we're talking about the Raiders roster moves today and the trade. Uh, and, and we'll see. I didn't see anybody that wasn't already on the street from an offensive line standpoint, Mo, that stuck out at me as somebody like, oh, the Raiders need to go and get him, i.e. Darrell Williams. Um, but but if you look at so far what you've seen, and I know you spent Tuesday for Bleacher Report going through all of the roster cuts around the league. Give me a couple names. Give Raider Nation out there, our loyal listeners, our loyal viewers, uh, some names to maybe watch out for, guys that would fit well, have a connection to Ziegler or McDaniels that you think could be on the Raiders' radar. Well, it's, this guy doesn't have a connection to the Raiders' radar. I didn't take a great look at the free agent scrap heap because I – Honestly, didn't have the time to, <laughs> but <Sweet peep. laughs> a lot a lot of people have asked me about Dennis Kelly. And I, I think last year I, I said the Raiders should sign Dennis Kelly because he's kind of an insurance policy there. But I think I'm past that point of signing a Dennis Kelly. If you're going to start a Luminar and Vinny Bonsignor of the Las Vegas Review Journal said that the Raiders are really high on Thera Mumford. I believe Albert Brib MMQB said the same thing. So for now, it looks like the Raiders are going to roll with Luminar and Mumford as a combination at right tackle. And I think if you're going to add another right tackle, that right tackle has to be a clear upgrade over what you already have. And from reports from, from Tashawn Reed of The Athletic, they don't see Darrell Williams as a clear-cut upgrade over what they have. So Darrell Williams is probably not in the cars. I would still look at Bobby Massey just in case Thayer Mumford's injury lingers. Bobby Massey is the guy I would look at if they don't like Darrell Williams right now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little triggered because in the chat on YouTube is a mention of one Tanner Muse. 
Uh, <laughs> it just caught, it caught my eye saying that Masterson is a makeup for Tanner Muse. So I get that as well. So the Munford thing. So we, we watched him. I thought he played really well in spots. I was, and maybe I missed it, Mo. Um, I watched each game multiple times and I saw him, thought he played well, but I, I thought maybe, maybe, and he still may be moved to the practice squad, but it sounds to your point that you just made that they seem pretty happy with him and Illuminor over there. Uh, what did I miss? What did we all miss? And I caught, and I said this to someone in the YouTube chat last night. We're all watching these preseason games. You can watch them 50 times, but what we don't get to see is what happens on the practice field. Very true. So unless you're a beat reporter who's there every day and you see all these practices, you don't get to see the full picture of the growth of these players over the summer, over an off-season program. And it sounds like to me, even though he had limited showing in the exhibition games, Thayer Mumford has really shown a lot of growth over the season. And the coach staff really likes him. So for now, I, I think he's going to be the long-term option there unless you draft high at the position in 2023. And that's why – and I don't – listen, I, I, fans can be really hard on players. And listen, it's a performance business. So when it comes to Alex Leatherwood not performing, I get it. And I don't disagree at all because we've been talking about it on the show all preseason. But it's stunning that a seventh rounder beats out a first rounder for a position on this team. And that's, that does say a lot. Um, but does there then become regime bias? I mean, I'm not saying Munford is, isn't a guy who has earned his spot by any means, but he's your guy, right? Leatherwood was not their guy. And I, I think that just like in any business, people you hire, people you bring in, people you evaluate, unless they're a Colton Miller, for example, where there's just no question. Um, they're going to go with their guys. How much of this roster makeup do you see of that? Because there, there obviously was turnover before we even got on the practice field for camp. But when you look at this roster and it's and 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 how they've remade it since they've taken over, how much of that do you think factored into so much of what we saw today? I don't think it's biased because I honestly think that the coaches staff and the front office looked at this roster objectively and said, who's the better player for this spot? And that's because you don't just eat 7.9 million for Alex Leatherwood and not blink. So they obviously thought that Alex Wood just wasn't a fit for their system. And they felt like they have Mumford and Illuminar were the better players. So again, you don't just eat all of that money for nothing just because of bias. So I don't think there's too much bias going into it. I think it's just a matter of natural fit. When you right. go from one regime to another, one coach's staff to another, certain guys just aren't as good of a fit as they were with the previous staff. And that's what's happened. That's what you're seeing with guys like maybe Mullen and guys that were let go. So I'm not I'm not too worried about bias or favorites. I think it's just the best man got the spot for that system. Yeah, that that appears. And and your point, and I know it's it's lighting up the chat right now. Your point about not seeing practice, that that is the biggest thing. And and even the media, the beat guys. They're out there, but they're so far away from the team, and there are other things that they don't see, right? It's not because they're not right. doing their job. It's just because you can't see it. And so I think that's where it does. And this is something, you know, when John Gruden practiced, he didn't let you watch a ton of practice, but when they did, and I'm talking about obviously before all the COVID stuff shut a lot of it down, um, you were closer to the field. Uh, Josh McDaniels taking the, the Belichick approach kind of hid some of that, which I think is smart. Mm -hmm. And so I think we don't have the eyes or the views. We, we don't know. We can only go based on what they tell us and what 
maybe some of these guys do when they have sources inside the organization like coaches and all of that. So really, really interesting point. We're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue to discuss the Raiders roster. I'm going to talk to Mo about uh, some of this roster. What's not there, as we mentioned, offensive line, defensive line, some moves that could be made and what it all means. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We all know baseball is a long season. I'm Brett Boone from the Brett Boone Podcast. This summer, take a trip down memory lane with me and hear from the legends of the game. So far this year, I've had conversations with Randy Johnson, Pete Rose, Deion Sanders. Plus, every week we look at the state of Major League Baseball, which teams are exceeding expectations, which ones are struggling to meet them. Follow and listen to the Brett Boone Podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today. Here we are talking about the Raiders' initial 53-man roster. Scott Colbranson, Mo Moten with you. Thank you guys all for being with us. We appreciate it. Uh, and uh, on this busy, busy day for the Raiders, we are talking about the roster. Okay, Mo, we, we looked at um, sort of what the Raiders jettison, what they could be looking for. Uh, to get this team ready, you, 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 you've seen what the Chiefs have done. You've seen what the Broncos have done. You've seen what the Chargers have done. Um, I didn't see any monumental decisions made in the division that impact a ton yet. I think a lot of the teams in this division, knowing how competitive it is, that we'll see movement there. Every team has needs. And so for the fans out there, as they watch over the next week, leading up to week one as the Raiders prepare to go to Los Angeles and play the Chargers um, in the division. What should people look out for? Where else could we see some action? What other teams in the division could be active? I know Denver's got a quite a few needs that they need to look at. Defensive backfield is one of them. Uh, what should people look for? As far as in the division, I, I wouldn't look, I wouldn't look for too much. A lot of the teams in the division made changes like the Raiders did during the offseason. What I found interesting, though, is Denver traded Malik Reed, their edge rusher, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I wouldn't say it weakens their edge rushing group, but Bradley Chubb has had injury issues throughout his career. He's kind of been 
one season healthy, one season not so healthy. Randy Gregory hasn't had a full workload in his career in Dallas, so he's coming over on a big five-year, $70 million contract. They drafted, I believe, Nick Benito, who's their rookie second rounder. So so getting rid of Malik Reed, even though Baron Browning is transferring from inside linebacker to outside linebacker, I think I, I think Denver's defense may be a little bit overvalued. Some people say, well, Denver's defense, Denver's defense. They got some injury issues at a, at a premium position on the edge. So I, I would kind of pump the brakes a little bit on their defense being dominant. If those guys stay healthy, of course, it, it could be top 10. But if it's not, if they're not healthy and on the field for most of those games, could be some issues, especially with a first-time defensive coordinator. And we talked about uh, that running back room uh, and and what's happened there with Britton Brown making making the squad thus far. But we look at that carrying. And you did you not mention this last night with the Patriots carrying that extra running back, right? Where where people thought it would be a wide receiver, and instead they go heavy on running back. Yeah, and and JJ Taylor was the extra running back on the Patriots last year, and I mentioned this. He only played five games, so yes, he was the fifth running back. He made it to the initial roster but he only suited up five times. And I think that's what's going to happen to Britton Brown, unless there's a trade. And Dan McDaniel said he's not going to trade Josh Jacobs. They're definitely not going to trade Zamir White. Amir Abdullah, as we've been saying for weeks now, seems safe. Brandon Bowling's been with him for nearly a decade. Britton Brown's the fifth guy. So um, they are going heavy at the running back position. But I, I think they're eventually, they may even pick up another tight end because Jacob Hollister is on IR. And I know he has some Patriots ties there and the Raiders are carrying three tight ends, but let's say Darren Wall is not 100% by the time they get to week one. They may add another tight end to the roster. So things, again, we said this a, we said this a thousand times, but things are probably going to change over the next 24, 48 hours. Um, it's kind of a sad situation because I know guys are initially excited for making the roster and then to get that call that, look, we added another guy, so we got to let you go. And then you yes. gotta hope to make it back to the practice squad. I think that that's a tough pill to swallow if you're a player thinking, "Yeah, I made it," and then you don't. Mo, were you surprised by Azela Polamalu? I was very surprised because I didn't see a lot of people have him on their 50 man roster. But the Raiders are also thin with depth at at the safety position. Uh, they traded Tyree Gillespie, who, by the way, the Titans waived him, so Tyree Gillespie is available if the Raiders want him back. Um, but I was surprised to see him on the roster and that he got that fifth spot with Roderick Teamer already there. Yeah. But did, doesn't it make a little bit sense? You and I have talked about that hybrid position. He is the biggest safety they have at 6'4", 212, I think it is. Um, mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. So he might play a little bit if, he's, if he continues to be on the roster, of course. Uh, he might play that, that hybrid position. Yeah, and, you, and you've been harping on this a lot, that hybrid player that they don't have yet maybe they see him as an experimental player that they can use in those two positions and kind of groom him and develop him into that spot. I, I hope it works out for him. He, had, he did have some flashes in the preseason. I just didn't think he did enough to make the roster. Apparently for now, at least initially, I was wrong about that one. That defensive line we've talked about in the middle. Uh, we know at edge, obviously, all of the, the, the projections that Mostradamus made yesterday about the edge came true, right? We didn't, you didn't have any, any misses on that one, if I recall. You have Koontz Jones, of course, Cleland Farrell, which I know a lot of people thought he could get cut. He was not going to get cut. Uh, and, of course, Tashawn Bauer, a guy that we all felt, and I know the staff talked about, so I didn't think there was any chance uh, that, that he would get let go. But to me, that's a strength on the defense. But that interior and what they're dealing with there, to your point about Vickers, 
I thought that one of those guys, like you'd made in your projection, might be gone. Uh, but instead, they stay with the veteran. To me, that just says, hey, listen, we might not be there yet, but I, they rather go with somebody who's got some proven chops up front until they can in, in, improve and upgrade. Maybe this is a bit of a reach, but I said this on the last show. I, I When I look at Vickers, I think Danico Archery. Yeah. I think he's that versatile player that moves up and down the defensive line. He can play multiple spots, and that's valuable for Patrick Graham's scheme. I'm going to repeat that. That's super valuable for Patrick Graham's scheme. So that's why I think he makes the roster. With Billings, I think he's another run stuffer we have on the interior just in case if a Jonathan Hankins is not all the way healthy because we saw what the run defense looks like when Jonathan Hankins is not on the field, and it's not good. So they, it seems like they kept Billings over Petco. Uh, Petco, a lot of people, he was a favorite for a lot of fans, but – didn't make it. Maybe he makes it back to the practice squad. But so you're saying, Scott, at the beginning of your response, it seems like Mostradamus was right more than he was wrong with this 53 man. I know I missed on Britton Brown, <laughs> Polamalu, but a lot of things I was right about. It was good to see Horstead make the roster, Vickers, Luke Masterson, Darian Butler. A lot of these unheralded names, non household names, even within the fan base, make the roster. It goes to show that this team was objectively assessing this roster, best man on the roster. And that's what you see today. Correct. And they weren't just hooked to a guy because they brought him in right to your point earlier. And that's why I asked you the question about bias, because I don't believe there has been any, I think. And I think Raider. And again, we have such great listeners who often remind us when we're wrong. So thank you for that. Including (laughs) I had a bunch of spat of tweets. Remember when you said Mullen wouldn't be traded? I told you he'd be traded a month ago. Maybe they did. I don't know for sure, but I'm going to take their word for it. Uh, I didn't see it. So so uh, that's fine. Uh, but we we talked about some of these guys, and we were not right all the time. I mean, you know, Mo, Mo you're you're cover the whole league. You're you're definitely more knowledgeable than I am. Um, but at the same time, I think that it does go to show they are going to get who they believe will give them the best opportunity to win football games, and so that that happens. So there's guys that made the roster that that surprise you, but at the same time. Uh, we're not, uh, we're not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe there were guys, let's face it. And I, I don't mean to bash the old coach, but there were guys you were saying to yourself, why is he still on the roster? I don't really see anybody. I know a lot of fans will, will pick on Cleveland Farrell. Um, but, but with his contract, it makes sense. And plus he is effective in certain situations, but I, I can't see anybody on this roster where you're just like, what the hell are they thinking? I don't see, I really don't see anybody on the roster like that. Here's the thing with Cleveland Farrell, and, it, and it's kind of similar to Amik Robinson to a lesser extent, because Amik, as we know, is a fourth rounder. Cleveland Farrell was a top five pick at number four overall. So, but Cleveland Farrell, he can play on the interior and sub packages, and he can play on the outside. And I'll say this again when you're a player who can play multiple spots and you have some versatility, it's only going to work in your favor. And I believe Josh McDaniels had a lot of good things to say about getting Cleveland Farrell back on the field in that last preseason game. I think they feel like, well, we'll work on him. He, was, he wasn't he was active. So we'll work on him during the season, see what he turns into. He could play up and down. He could play across the front seven. Maybe he gives you a decent performance this year. I don't see him back in a Raiders uniform in 2023. But maybe you can get something out of him. Maybe get a run, to, a decent run defender with a handful of sacks. And if you can get that, I think that's better than what a lot of fans think you can get from Cleveland Farrell at this point in his career. Correct. And I really believe I look at this roster and, and they're going to tinker with it. They'll add some bodies. There's no question in my mind. Uh, but I also think that no matter how well they do this year, and I think they have the potential to do very well, 
no matter how well they do this year, there's a lot of guys, I think, on the roster this year that won't be here next year either um, because of contracts ending. We have obviously the three guys that were denied their fifth year uh, as well from the Gruden days. So, so I think you're going to see change. I mean, if you look at the history, and again, I know Raider fans hate it, and we can only take certain amounts of history to understand, but if you look at how the Patriots and how Dave Ziegler came into the business and what he was part of, and the same with Josh McDaniels from an offensive standpoint – they tinker, and they, they have no problem saying goodbye to a player that played well for them, but they find somebody who can upgrade it at a cheaper cost. In the NFL, you're always looking for that contract that is in the earlier stages, i.e. coming off a rookie contract uh, or in the middle of a rookie contract, I should say, one or two years in, three years in, or even a guy who went through his rookie contract and is a good player but isn't going to demand a king's ransom. That's sort of the modus operandi of what they did there. And I think you're going to see that more in Las Vegas. Modus operandi, throwing out the vocabulary words today in this show. Latin for you, buddy. (laughs) But no, but to your point, and I wrote this in a comment that's going to come out, that's out on Bleacher Report right now. If you look at Nate Hobbs' contract, they're not going to pay Nate Hobbs more than $1.1 for the next three years. Now, of course, if he outperforms his contract, he's probably going to get an extension before his final year. But Trayvon Mullen was the guy they drafted in the second round and he was going into a contract year. Would you rather have a guy who strictly plays on the boundary and only has one more year left on his deal coming off of an injury or a cornerback you're playing less than $1.2 million for who could play in the slot and outside? And again, you're, you're paying him peanuts right now. And he Definitely. had a very, very promising rookie year. What would, you, what would you rather have playing 90% of the snaps? And I think you have to go with Nate Hobbs on that one. Of course, yeah. The upside is so much greater. I mean, it just is. Right. It, 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 and when when a player comes in in his first year and plays like he did, uh, no question you want to do that. So, Mo, we're getting a lot of questions from our listeners uh, that are asking about dead cap. So so Leatherwood gets released. It's 11.8, I think, um, mm-hmm. is the total number. And six this year, right? I think it is. And so so people are asking, you know, dead cap versus uh, salary cap. And, and the, I think the key here is to, to remember that in the NFL, yes, the cap matters. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but we had D- Danny Heifetz on last week and he talked about how you can supplement your salary cap. The more cash you have, you can give guys money up front that doesn't count towards the cap. Then you also have to look at the situation going into the 2023 season. Remember the cap was reduced for COVID And then you had your new collective bargaining agreement with the players between the players and the NFL. That means the cap is going up every year. It will go up again significantly next year. And then you're going to have guys roll off the roster, i.e. Clee Farrell, if he doesn't um, um, play to a degree where they want to give him another contract. And even if he did, it would be at a lesser rate. So, So if you look at that situation, Mo, this salary cap stuff, it can look scary in the moment if you're a fan looking at it. And I know it can get confusing even for me. But when you look at all of those factors, the Raiders are still in a very good position right now to address needs this season. And then going into next year, even if they give Darren Waller the $16 million that's been rumored out there already, um, they still will have room to improve this team. So I wouldn't get too worried. Am I wrong in that? Yeah, I'm not too worried about the cap right now because Raiders came into this, I believe, with the second or third most cap space. Now, Darren Waller, when he if he gets his extension, it's all about the new money. So it all depends on how they structure his deal, because if they give him a slight bump immediately, then it affects the cap and the money now. But if let's say they give him a multi-year extension where the new money doesn't come in until 2023, 
So it doesn't really affect the cap in 2022. So right now, I wouldn't get too caught up in the cap. It's a lot of accounting. If you're a math major, you probably love this stuff. It's not the not most me, fun baby. thing to look at. But right now, I'm, I wouldn't be concerned with the cap because the Raiders have the space. They have the financial capital to extend Darren Waller and add a player or two if they need it on the offensive line and the cornerback room if they want to replace Mullen with a, another veteran. They have the space to do that. So it's not, it's not really an issue right now. But what I will say is that you don't want to eat too much dead money because remember they ate $3.6 million for Kenyon Drake and they're going to eat this year $7.9 million for Alex Leatherwood. So with, with Farrell, you didn't want to eat more money. I believe it was $10 million on his contract. Remember, that's all for this year because he only has one year left on his deal. With Leatherwood, it's spread out over the course of his contract. So it, again, the hit is a little lighter, but you don't want to eat too much dead money because you don't want that on your cap. Correct. And the other thing to point out here too, because oftentimes we've talked about the business side of the Raiders. And I hear a lot of fans say, I could care less what happens in the front office because we had all that 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 rigmarole happen up there with, with harassment, all this kind of stuff, which who knows what happened there. But now they have a new president there in the right direction there. But more than that, you saw their value of the franchise again go up because of the move to Las Vegas, again because of Allegiant Stadium and the money they're making from the stadium as well, in addition to football games, into the other events. So this is why that matters because remember – you can supplement the salary cap with massive signing bonuses. So if you have a, a Darren Waller, for example, if he's going to average $16 million a year in salary, whatever the number ends up being, they can front load a lot of that. And so this is why I tell fans, you don't have to be – look, I was a journalism major. You were a journalism major. I think I took one math class in college at UNLV, and it was like <laughs> elementary school math. I mean, it was that simple. It was, I'm, re, I'm just not good with math. Thank God my wife is. So um, that you don't have to be a mathematician. And I'm not saying you need to know about the sports business all the time. But when it comes to these moves and it comes to the roster, understand that because the Raiders moved to Las Vegas, because their value keeps going up, because they have massive corporate sponsors they didn't have in Oakland, they now will be able to go get more players with heavy upfront deals than they've ever been able to do before. I feel kind of good about myself. I actually took statistics and, and oh, when I was in college at St. John's. So I, I feel a little more I, I feel a little more superior in the math subject. Yeah, I'm just kidding. You went but, to um, St. John's though. Come on. I mean, I went to UNLV. Oh man. Here we here we go. But good no, basketball uh, schools honest, both at one time. Yeah, at one point when Ron Artest was there, but <laughs> I'm not gonna get into uh, on a tangent on that. But uh speaking of Darren Wall, I just want to get back yeah. to Darren Wall and his contract extension. Cause a lot of people I think just when Wendy on Twitter was was kind of worried about is Darren Waller going to be with the Raiders this season? I say, and I told her, like, you know, trust me on this one, relax. Let's take a deep breath, let's take a step back because there are rumors that Darren Waller is going to hire a new agent, Drew Rosenhaus, to get him a deal. And we all know Drew Rosenhaus's history. Uh, he got Tyreek Hill that big deal in Miami, so you can imagine what Darren Waller is probably going to command. But I think the Raiders have two options here they can either backload his, his contract or give him immediate pay raise. And I've said this on previous shows where they satisfy him for the 2022 season and then revisit a longer deal during or after the season, because I'm going to bring this point up again. He is going to be turning 30 years old in about a week or so. And he is coming off of an injury riddled. (laughs) He is coming off of an injury riddled season. So we just talked about Trayvon Mullen being hurt and and that hurting his value in a trade. I think that's part of the snag with Darren Wall. Why it kind of was slow. He was slow to get a new deal because they're thinking by saying, well, look at his age. Look at what happened last year. Had a hammy this offseason. So I, I, 
I know the report is from Josina Anderson that he can get 16 mil annually on his new deal. I wouldn't doubt that report because Josina Anderson is very good at her job, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try to go a little below that because of his age and because of his injuries last year. Yeah. And, and again, we don't know what's going on, but it's, it, you can deduce from some of what happened, including firing his agent, that my guess is the Raiders want to structure it creatively, right? They don't want, and I think Darren Waller probably wants to do that too, because Darren Waller, you know, listening to him, all the interviews he does about how he turned his life around everything, he's looking long-term. And if you look at some of the bigger deals you've seen with veteran players in the NFL over the years, including some of the big quarterbacks, they're very smart about it. They say, yeah, you know what? I want to I be the highest paid tight end, but that doesn't mean you have to get the money all in years one, two, and three. You might back end it so that your, your playing career is over and you're still getting part of the contract, right? So there's all sorts of creative ways. And clearly he wasn't happy with what his agent was doing. Um, the NFL and the capologists in the Raider organization, I'm sure they're looking at it and saying, look, man, we want to take care of you, but we don't want to hamper our ability to win. So we got to find a, a, a happy medium on how we do that. We'll give you all the money you want, but let's structure it in a way, just like Derek Carr did in some ways, right? Which is like, we want to structure it so that we can continue to stay competitive and go get players because they're going to have to go get more bodies next year. Uh, and depending where you finish and where your pick is, if you keep your first round draft pick and all that, we traded away to... Green Bay and all that stuff. You got to fill spots, and so to me, that's where it's at. So, I, and I and I agree. We're going to talk about it on on, on Thursday's show a little bit too, because I have concerns with Darren Waller. Not because he's not a great player, not that he doesn't deserve a pay raise, but you got to be careful for all the reasons that you said. Yeah, and this one accounting thing aspect that I want to bring up. I promise I won't bore you guys with too much math, <laughs> and I'll make it simple here. But when it comes to these contracts. Don't pay too much attention to the headline numbers. Right. Player X signs for five years, 50 million. It's not a guarantee he's going to get that 50 million. Always pay attention to the guaranteed money. So if a player okay. signs for five years, 50 million, but he only gets 30 million guaranteed, he's getting 30 million because let's say after year two or three, the team could just simply cut him and recoup the money. So it all boils down to what does Darren Waller want in guaranteed money? Because that's the number that's important in, on those, in those negotiations with the Raiders. Yes, it's all about it. Just like we talk about, dare I say his name, Deshaun Watson's deal in Cleveland. That's why people were so angry about it, because it was all guaranteed, right? Which mm -hmm. there was a time in the NFL that never happened, never happened. And now you give this. And so now other players want the same kind of deal, whatever position they're in. And so you're you're absolutely right. And that and it goes back to the car contract. You know, again, everybody was very happy for Derek Carr, uh, except for those people who don't like him. And what, what people don't realize and they keep forgetting is if something went south this year, the Raiders cut them loose and they don't owe them anything else. So, so you, you're right. You don't pay attention. Remember all those stories are written by guys like us who didn't take math except for Mo took statistics. So, so <laughs> it's true, right? I mean, they are reporting on the numbers, but it's also, it's also the way it's structured. So, so keep an eye on that. Mo in the chat today, I'm, I'm seeing Indomitian Sue all over the place again. Um, now with what they've done and what you see on this roster, uh, now I know the $9 million is a lot of money, but the longer Sue sits out there, perhaps that could come down a million or two, especially if it came down to at $7 million, Would you not give him $7 million? I would definitely give a Dominic and Sue $7 million considering what the Raiders have now. Now if the Raiders were strapped for cap space or cash, then I would say, ah, I'll pass on that one. But it's not like 
you know, they're they're beggars here. They they have they have enough financial capital. Uh, Dominican Sue is a good name to bring up in the chat because I still believe that he can be a three down player on the interior of that defensive line. He can help this Raiders team. So I wouldn't be against that. No, Tashan reported that Dominican Sue is looking in for in the neighborhood of nine million. But I this kind of reminds me of Jadavion Clowney a, a couple years ago when he signed the, with the Titans. And I believe he wanted a certain number. I don't remember what that number was, mm-hmm. but it was higher than what he signed for. And I believe he wound up coming down for 11, 12 million. Now, that's not the same as in, as in Dominican Sue. He plays a different position, is a non premium position, and Clowney plays a, an important position as an edge rusher. But I think, as you said, as time goes on, you're realizing you're not going to get the contract that you wanted. Maybe you come down on your price. So if he comes down from $9 million down to $7 million, I take that. Now, he's rich, so he doesn't necessarily need the money. It's all about does he want to play football and does he want to play for a team that, could be a play, that should be a playoff contender in the Raiders and get enough playoff time, enough playing time to make an impact, and I think he will. Yeah. If he comes down to $7 million, I think that's a good deal. Yeah, a team coming off a playoff year, that's a playoff mm-hmm. contender, right? So that's that's mm-hmm. key. And I think about that, and, and I haven't been out there talking a lot about Indomitian Sue, but if you think about the Raiders lineup, if you add him to their defensive lineup uh, with Crosby, with Jones, with the, li- the young and thin, but young, good linebacking core, and with Perryman, obviously, as the old gray beard in the, in, in this, in the, uh, in the room there, um, suddenly that's pretty dang good and keeps up with, by the way, you, you got to keep up with the Joneses in, in, in AFC West, right? And you look at the defensive units without, throughout the AFC West, and they're pretty dang good. And the Raiders have the weakest interior, I believe, in the division. And so um, for them to be able to go out and do that, uh, but at the same time, it goes, it goes back to whether or not he's going to come down to a number that they're comfortable with because they don't have to panic. That's the one thing, too. You don't want to see your team panic and say, okay, well, we got to give them $9 million. No, you, there's other people out there. And sometimes you might just roll with it, and there's guys who might sit for a week or two. I mean, Indomitian Sue could be there till week two. You just don't know what's going to happen uh, if somebody pulls a trigger on a deal for him or not. So uh, you're looking at that as well. What, what other names out there on that defensive front, again, Mo, that, that should people maybe look to? If Indomitian Sue is a little rich for the Raiders' blood at $9 million, what else could they do? Scott, I would be shooting myself in the foot if I gave that away. Because I actually have an article. Oh, okay. On well, sports that, that's not a tease then. That's good. Yes. Tomorrow? I actually have a column. Tuesday, Wednesday? Out. Wednesday, Thursday? It'll, it'll, it'll be dropping. And I'll give you several names that the Raiders should look at wow. to plug some roster holes. So I, I have a name or two in mind, but I, I'm going to save that for the column. But I will say that if they don't like Kendama Kinsu, there are alternative options that they could pick up off the free agent pool that can do the job. But I will say that if you have a Dominican Sue, Jonathan Hankins, a Blau Nichols on your interior defensive front, that's a pretty good lineup. It's just, I would strongly think about it if they can afford it. Just saying. Yes. I mean, again, it, it's, it, Dominican Sue is not the player he was, right? Just like Chandler Jones isn't either. Chandler Jones is still very good and very effective. And I think he's going to have a good year. And the same goes for Sue. But man, you line that up. And suddenly what to me has has had some holes and some weaknesses in, in it becomes very, very strong and you feel better about that. So hopefully they're working uh, towards something uh, up front there. Um, we haven't talked a ton outside of running back around offense. The, the, the wide receiver core, no surprises there. Um, they look set to go except for the offensive line as we talked about. But uh, when you look at that, a lot of people, conversation – 
some Raider fans are getting to a point of acceptance with the hole on the right side, or at least the lesser talent on the right side of the line. I saw a conversation today, and we've talked about it on the show before, actually, scheming around a weakness on the right side of the offensive line. Um, how much can you do that? And if you're Derek Carr, ultimate confident guy, how do you feel about this if you go standing pat with what you have today? Well, I'm going to start just by saying I actually really like, and I've said this multiple times, I really like Jermaine Luminar being their right tackle. I know he's been a journeyman backup at previous stops with the Ravens and the Patriots. But when he stood at the podium a couple of weeks ago and he said, look, I changed my diet. I changed my mentality. I wasn't all in in my past. I'm all in now because this could be my last chance to be a starter in this league. I really think he's going to put a lot into this year, being that this could be his last chance to be a starting tackle in the NFL. So I think they're okay with Jermaine Illuminar. I don't think it's going to be as bad as people think at the right tackle position. I kind of worry about the right guard spot. Are they gonna are they gonna shift John Simpson or Dylan Parham to right guard and bench Lester Cotton? Are they gonna roll with Lester Cotton, who kind of struggled, let's be honest, in the past couple of preseason games? If they have Lester Cotton there, guys on the interior, those pass rushing defensive tackles may give him the business in there. So I will be I will be worried about <laughs> Lester Cotton. I will be worried about Lester Cotton more than I'm worried about Jermaine Illuminar. But to answer your question and to answer a lot of people's questions about what can the Raiders do to combat a weak offensive line on the right side. Quick passes. Derek Carr is very good at a quick release. He can get the ball out of his hands really quick, and he has the weapons to do that between the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Max protection, I talked about that. Adding another tight end, an inline tight end, to give you some uh, chip action. Your running back can also chip out of the backfield. They use Jakob Johnson, the fullback, who can help out with some pass protection. So you have some options there. You can do some things to protect your quarterback. But again, I will say, you, always, you don't want to always have to go max protection because sometimes you want the complex route downfield that, de- that takes time to develop, and you need time. Certain players need time to develop. And when you go max protection or you just throw the screens or the quick passes, you limit your offense. And the Raiders have so many weapons, you don't want to limit those guys on the outside. Right, because you have, obviously, Devontae Adams. You have Hunter Renfro. You now have Tyron Johnson. You, 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 don't, you have these guys who, who really can push the ball downfield. So it just limits you uh, when when that part of the line isn't playing well. But knowing they have 150 running backs on the roster, um, and I agree with you, I think I don't think they're done at tight end. I think they're going to go knowing that offense and how Josh McDaniels has run it, especially if they roll with what they have on the right side, which, again, I think they'll still go get a veteran. I think they will. I think they'll go out and find another tight end, to your point, because they need to get somebody in there, especially someone who's a really good blocker. They have some already on the team, clearly. Uh, Foster Moreau has been that. He, he struggled at times with it last year, but that was his strength in college, right? So, so I think that the opportunity for them to, to look at ways to minimize if they feel they're a little weak over there will materialize in that way. Uh, anything else on the offense, Mo, that, that, that concerns you? Um, this looks to be a pretty set offensive roster except for those two positions. Um, and, and I think it's one that Raider fans are really excited about, and they should be. Other than the offensive line, I have no real concerns. I, I will go on the positive side and say shout out to DJ Turner for making the roster. And I explained it step by step on the last show why DJ Turner would make it over Keelan Cole. And it has a lot to do with special teams. Now, he can give you something in the slot. He has the speed and the quickness. We saw that one preseason game where he takes a pass and runs for about 30 yards downfield and scores. So shout out to him for making a roster. As you mentioned, 
Tyron Johnson, T. Bailey being the deep threat out there. Those two guys, I think, are going to give you a spark. They're not going to necessarily give you 60 catches in a season, but when you need a big play downfield, you can count on both those guys to come down with the football. Yeah, and at the skilled positions, I like the depth, right? That, to me, yep. to win in the NFL, you have to have depth, and and they have it there, and so that's that's very good. It's just that line, they got they got to figure it out. By the way, how did he get the nickname T. Billy? I missed the story. Can you tell me? It has to do with his mother, his mother's name. Okay. I don't remember I it verbatim, but it has, but it has now to do with that he made the team, it, I will. It has to do with his mom's name. That's how he got his ah, nickname. Ah, okay. I got you. Uh, well, we're, we're getting set. You know, we have a week and a little bit before that first game of the Chargers, and we'll focus, obviously, on that next week. Uh, but going into the rest of this week, we'll have another show on Thursday. So any any moves the Raiders make between now and then, we'll talk about. Mo will finally tell us what his you know, he'll give us the content of his story that he's you know people on here are calling you a tease and you're playing hard to get and all this kind of stuff. But that's what you do, right? Mo is a writer for a living. He wants you to read his stuff, and of course, we always link it here and we always talk about it on the show so that people get really interested and go. Uh, do it as well. Um, any other interesting storylines coming out of this today, Mo? That 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 grabbed your attention. Um, uh, two things. Well, let me let me mention two things first before I ask you that question. One is um, you retweeted something from Tashawn Reed from the Athletic about Alex Leatherwood, uh, mm-hmm. and and even though his time with the Raiders is done and was not successful, he is a good guard. He can be a very good guard. Um, we saw what he did in college. He will get another opportunity somewhere. And if he does that, I think it's always remember these are these are people, especially with young guys. You know, if you're a, if you're an eight or ten year veteran, you had a nice run, you made a nice living, you, you put your money away, you got money for the rest of your life. Good, good for you, great. And so I, it's not that I don't feel for those guys, but for a, a guy like Alex Leatherwood who comes out of college with all that expectation, doesn't succeed. I don't think his story is over. Just like we saw with Jermaine Illuminor, who with that great tweet today, who said, "Hey, you know, I've been cut before." Uh, and this feels good, and I, I thank God that that I'm able to be here. He's very appreciative. I think you'll see Alex Leatherwood emerge, and I hope he goes on to have great success. So remember that. I think that there's guys you don't like because they might be kind of prickly or they might not be good dudes, but in this case, Alex Leatherwood lost his confidence, and I just really wish nothing but good things for this young man, and I think he's got a shot, Mo, if, if the if, if he finds the right situation, right coaching staff, and somebody who can get that confidence built back up. Before I get into Alex at the Wood, I just want to give a quick shout out to Jackson Barton from Nathan Roster. Uh, one of our, oh, yes. two of our listeners brought his name up and said, they why did. are people, more people talking about Jackson Barton? And I said, I mentioned him after the Patriots game. I actually think Jackson Barton could be a pretty good swing tackle since Brandon Parker is on season end in IR. I think he can hold down that spot. But about Leatherwood, and I'm going to take a deep breath before I go into this. And you mentioned Uh-oh. the tweet from Tashawn Reed, right? And this is what I don't like about, and I think I've mentioned this before. Once a player is at the door, it's like, oh, that player wasn't that good. He's garbage. He's this, he's that. And as many fans point out, Leatherwood didn't have control over where he was drafted. It's obvious that Gruden may have Correct. overdrafted him. Probably should have been a second round guard, maybe round three. Who knows? But. He was a 2020 Outland Trophy winner, which goes to, I believe, the best interior or offensive lineman in in college football. So he has talent. He can be a decent run blocker. And I said this multiple times on Twitter. He could be a decent run blocker. I saw it last year when he moved to guard. He had some decent stretches where he can clear lanes for for the ball carriers. But the Reds had no interest in playing him at guard. I'm not saying there's a guarantee he's going to be a guard wherever he ends up. 
But I, I strongly believe if a team moves him to guard, he's going to have to work his way up because he's obviously not going to be a starter wherever he lands. But I honestly think he could be a starting guard somewhere. And, and as you said, I wish him the best because talent just doesn't leave you. I think part of Alex Edwards' problem was confidence. And when you go from – when you come into the league and you start out a position you never played before at right tackle, and then after four weeks they move you inside back to a position you hadn't played since, I believe, your freshman year in college – you got to get your feet wet all over again. You're not settled. Then the following year, the coach staff that drafted you, the front office that drafted you, gone. So now you have to adjust to a new system. They're playing you at right tackle. Again, a position you're not used to playing. You only play four games at the position in real in regular season action. So he's, again, playing in an unfamiliar spot. He's obviously not comfortable. And he has to work on his technique, his hands, his feet. He has to start from the ground up. But I do think eventually, as soon as he gets in a stable environment for him, because now I think the Reds do have the stability with the new regime, but the minute he gets to a team where they have a coach staff set in place for a few years and they say, look, this is the position you're going to play and that's it. We'll develop you at that spot. I think he could be a serviceable guard in the league and we'll see what happens. But again, I wish him the best. Absolutely. By the way, in the, in the YouTube chat, and and I, when you guys have these usernames that I don't know how to pronounce it, it it's hard for me. <laughs> Uh, but this is one, a, a listener and a viewer who's been with us a long time, Guareb, G-W-A-R-E-B. I think I have that right. He says, Raiders uh, won't make any more moves. They haven't all this time. Why would they now? And I would point out, too, so so if you guys know anything about me, in addition to doing this, I also have had a long career in, in business, right, in, in, in corporate life. And I will tell you one thing, and that is when you are in a position where you're building something or you have a business where you have to negotiate. Good negotiators do not rush and they do not panic. Okay. So yes, for those of us who talk about the Raiders in media, like Mo and I do, and for you guys as the best fans in all of sports, of course it's top of mind for you. Why haven't you done something? Why haven't you done something? Trust me. I I know what you're going through. But Guareb, I will tell you, just because they haven't made a move now doesn't mean they won't. A lot of opportunities will now present themselves that were not there even three or four days ago. So, so I would take that in mind. I'm not saying that's a guarantee they'll do something. But Mo, when you're negotiating, so much of what happens, we never know or see. They could be have been talking about a deal for weeks that almost came to fruition, and then it stopped because of some reason, right? Could have been. It could have been bad information. It could have been not being able to get to the final number on years on a contract, even though the numbers were good. That all factors in. So I would caution anybody from thinking that it won't happen. Again, not guaranteeing it will, but I think we have to give them the opportunity to do that. If they don't, then what they're telling us, and they should be held accountable for, Mo, is they believe they have what they need to be a winning football team and a playoff team. To that listener uh, viewing us right now, first of all, uh, thanks for tuning in to our show. But I will remind you, do you remember free agency, Scott? Oh, yes. What happened? Yes. When people were like, what is what is Dave, Dave Ziegler doing? What, is he asleep at the I wheel? Th- this I clown? thought he was what a is, guru. I thought he was great. What, why, where are the moves? Where are the signings? Remember that? Mm-hmm. And then what happened? What happened? Oh. They signed. Number Chandler Jones, trade. they acquired Devontae Adams, and then yeah. and then it all started to come together. And you're like, oh, okay, he's not sleep at the wheel. 
he and he <laughs> he talked about this. He said, I, I saw the memes. I saw the people talking like, what is this guy doing? Why is he not making moves? I would say be patient because you don't know what's going on behind closed doors or under the table. And as you said, they may have a spoken deal in place with a person who may be on the fence about, oh, should I sign here? Should I sign there? Players, these players, a lot of them have options sure. of where to sign. Yeah. And sometimes these teams are in wait mode of like, okay, we have to, we're not going to wait for this player. We're going to continue talking to guys, but we have multiple options. But if our top guy, if our top option is available and he's on board, then we're on board. So I, I just remind that room, that viewer about what happened in free agency, how long it took Ziggler to get going. But once he started to get going, people were like, oh, okay, we get it. We understand now. So just exercise some patience there. Yes. Exactly. But Guareb, thank you, man. You're always in the chat mixing it up, so I appreciate that. And I understand your feelings. Again, mm-hmm. as a fan, I from a, and I'll just mention this really quick because it's really a painful existence. Like most Knicks who are never good, um, <laughs> I'm a Padres fan. The Padres made oh, all whoa. these massive trades, and guess what? The relief pitcher they got has had the worst ERA in the league since they got him. He's a closer, and he can't close. So I get it. So, so sometimes the moves happen, and then they don't pan out. So, so sometimes if you're being selective and the negotiations going on, uh, it doesn't look like they're doing anything. And again, they may believe, I know we don't necessarily, we've said that clearly that they're set at right on the right side of the line. Maybe they think they are again. We don't see everything happening in practice. We see some preseason games and you can question, not that guys don't play hard in preseason games. It's just a different, a whole different animal. It's, it's really a quick though. Practice. Yeah. To Guara about that, I, I understand where he's coming from because as we record this and we sit right here and I'm talking to you, I'm waiting for the Knicks to trade for Devon, Donovan Mitchell. Yes, he, apparently, been. he cleared out his social media. He's Uh-oh. not associated with the Utah Jazz. So I'm, he's been taking trips to New York City. I'm just waiting for the deal to happen. They extended RJ Barrett. So I'm waiting for this deal to happen. I'm like, what is going on here? You need to acquire him now before someone else swoops in and gets him. So I get it, Guara. But putting my journalist, writer, sports writer hat on, patience because things could be coming down the pipeline you just don't know it yet yes just listen to like a a bunch of of yoda quotes about patience (laughs) patience we must or whatever (laughs) so um (laughs) absolutely i don't know how you watch the nba dude i just but then again you could say that to me about baseball so i guess we're even on that one but uh yeah Uh, i love the garden though by the way i've been to the garden many times uh not for a knicks game Ironically, it's always been for college basketball or hockey. I've seen some Rangers games there. So anyway, uh, but OK, we're going to wrap up the show tonight, Mo. This was good stuff. I'm glad we could get on with folks. We had a huge, lively debate. Lots of viewers. Uh, thank you, guys. As Mo mentioned earlier, thank you so much. We really we don't just say it because we think you want to hear it, but we really do mean uh, our listeners and viewers are, are just phenomenal. Like you got the interactions we have with you. And again, sometimes you're reminding us that we're wrong. Sometimes we're telling you you're wrong in our opinion, of course, and we do it nicely. We're not going to yell at you. We, 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 we welcome everybody in. And I know we get people from all over the country, all over the world. So thank you for that. Um, Mo, we're going to come back on Thursday. We'll see if anything happens between then. So Gua Reb can, can sleep uh, going into week one um, and, and, and all that. And then we'll also, I'm going to give you, I'm writing a piece for sports, not as well about stock up, stock down with the Raiders. Now that they have the roster somewhat set, I'm going to talk about players on the roster, both returning and new, who I think, hey, their stock's up, 
or their stocks down, not negatively, but just some of the questions I have around some of those players heading into the regular season. Hopefully they prove me wrong on all those concerns, but we'll talk about that. And then, of course, we'll talk about Mo's secret piece up on sports, not around defensive tackles. Um, and we'll get his take on that. And maybe he'll be really happy wearing a Knicks shirt because they will have made a deal. Yeah, hopefully. And also, don't forget to send in your mailbag questions. Yes. I'm sure a lot of people have questions after the roster has been initially set somewhat. So please send in those questions. We'll be happy to answer them. Yes, you will get uh, uh, an answer from us. We will do a mailbag show, which will run on Friday. So if you get your questions in between now and our show on Thursday, we can answer and we'll pick those questions. Uh, and the winner gets a free Trayvon Mullen jersey. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, it's an Alex Weather jersey. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Mo covers oh his face. It's actually oh Mo's Jamarcus Russell jersey, which he wears only when he's alone. Um, but it's uh, <laughs> correct. It's correct. Can't wear it in public. Can't wear it if in you, public. If you, if you actually want to win a jersey, watch our good friend Murph on Raiders Fan Radio. They have a charity thing with the Blitnikoff Foundation. They actually do jersey give. We don't do jersey giveaways. Uh, we do t-shirt giveaways. I'm wearing it tonight because I wanted to plug. So if you, if your question is picked the best question, then I shouldn't say best. If, if you're the highlighted question, because all the questions are good, if okay. you, then you'll get a t-shirt. Plus everybody who submits, remember you go, you send it to mail at silverandblacktoday.com, mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Everybody gets a free sticker, a show sticker, which is the logo, which you can tell is a riff on the Las Vegas sign with dice. Somebody actually, this is how smart our listeners are. I don't know if I mentioned this before because I'm getting old and I forget sometimes. The dice on it say, uh, is the number six and four. And somebody said, does that mean something? I'm like, no, <laughs> but it was a great question. I'm like, you guys notice everything. So anyway, we're going to send you a shirt. If you get picked on that question, we send everybody. When you send the mail to mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Include your name, where you're from, and your address, because we're going to send you the swag. We can't send you the swag if you don't send us the address. So please do that. We'll answer all those questions, and we'll do that on our Friday uh, mailbag show. Going into the holiday weekend, Mo, big Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. Yes, yes. big Labor Day weekend, even though it means nothing to me because I'll be working, but enjoy it, everyone <laughs> else who has off. <laughs> Not only that, but it's the last weekend without NFL football for this season, right? So uh, that's exciting. So you can take, relax, you can have your heart rate go down so that it can go sky high as the Raiders take the field in Los Angeles at their summer home, SoFi Stadium, down in Los Angeles against the Chargers on the 11th of September, of course, 9-11. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. But we got a lot to get to on Thursday. We really appreciate you guys being with us tonight. Uh, and for those of us who watch this live, thank you. If you're listening to us on the Odyssey uh, podcast. We thank you for being there as well. Make sure you subscribe. Also, recommend to your friends. I know you all have Raider friends, or if you have Chief friends or Bronco friends, probably not. Uh, by the way, Mo, real quick before I let everybody go, I asked a question. There was this great story about an Eagles fan, an older guy, who got a kidney. Somebody donated a kidney to him, and he was, and she was a Giants fan. And you know the Giants-Eagles rivalry, how ugly that is, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I asked the question, hey, if a Chiefs fan needed a kidney, <laughs> would you donate it? The response is, I'll have to read them next time on the mailbag show because they were funny. 
I mean, they were really funny, some of them. Uh, and none of them were mean-spirited except for maybe two, and we'll leave those off. But some of them are really good and, and very good comedy, so we'll talk about that. But uh, we'll get into all that on the Mailbag Show. But first, we'll talk to you on Thursday's show here. Make sure you follow Mo on, on Twitter, Mo Moton, M-O-E. Don't forget the E, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully, and the show is SNB Today. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. We're also live on Twitch when we are live, as well as Twitter and our Facebook page. So thank you for that. Mo, I will talk to you on Thursday. We'll talk to you on Thursday, but you guys will be seeing me or my work on Bleach Report, on Sportsnet, reaction to the three-man roster, players the Raiders can pick up. Look out for that, because even though they've set their roster initially, there's still a lot to go as far as discussing the three-man and their roster. So Absolutely. look out for do that. Not, do not miss it. Uh, and as always, great must-reads from Mr. Moten. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Raider Nation, we appreciate you so much. Without you, we don't have this show, and uh, it's just uh, humbling for you guys all. The feedback and the interaction, we absolutely love it. We live for it, so thank you for that. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Colbrands, and this has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Take care, everybody.